Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Our scripture today is taken from the book of Luke, uh, chapter 23, verse 34. Jesus is on the cross, and these are the first words that he says. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Here we have the Lord Jesus who has been beaten and scourged and was not even able to carry his cross to Calvary. Even in that weakened physical, mental, and spiritual time of his life, he still had compassion and still asked his father to forgive men of all the sinfulness they did against him and his person with all the illegal trials and with the Roman scourging and with the nails in his hands and his feet. In spite of that, he still was able to forgive his enemies. I think this is a good lesson for us. We need to forgive as Jesus forgave. And if we do that, we'll live better, we'll have happier lives, and God will bless us. Good day. Welcome to the Global Times. This is Dennis Campbell. I'm standing in for Dr. Brian Albrecht, and we'll be interviewing the St. Fars, our missionaries to Haiti. Um, thank you so much for uh, having us, and thank you for the opportunity to share with our brothers and sisters everywhere in the world about our interest in journalism and the ministry. When I was growing up, my mother used to listen to only evangelical radio stations. So I was raised listening to all kinds of radio programs and audio Bible readings. And I used to record myself imitating radio speakers. 
I used to listen to the voice of salvation. It is a radio station in my native city. There was a speaker who used to present a radio show on the summer, mostly from Monday to Friday, 10, 11, 30 a.m. So I liked the show, but I thought that the speaker could have done a better job. And sometimes he did not even come to the studio and they only put music on air. And one day I was listening to the show and I heard one of my friends on the show. So we used to play the guitar together. And when I heard him, I called him and he was happy to know that I was listening to him. So um, later on, I gave him some advice on how he could improve the show. And he told me, um, you know, my friend, I know nothing on what I'm doing. So pastor, the pastor of the church called me and there was the opportunity. So I just take advantage of the opportunity. I'm doing it. And the next day uh, he was there. I visited him and he gave me the opportunity to to speak on the air. And the next week he did not even come to the studio. He told me, I think you can do a better job. So, so just go for it. And that's how I started ministering on that radio. And later on, I brought my PNC with me at that time. It was in 2007. So that's how we started on the radio. Yeah, we went to journalism school after that. Oh, great. So you're even professionally trained. Yeah. So what is what is the name of your radio broadcast ministry? We call it in French, Zoom sur la famille. It's an emphasis that we put on the family and the content of what we present on, yeah, on the air. Okay. Now, could you tell me briefly why you think radio is so important for your country and why this is an effective way to minister? Yeah, thank you for this question. It is crucial. We, we have over 400 radio stations in Haiti. So in 2019, we had, there was 50 evangelical stations among them. And right now in 2022, we have more. So it can be said that at least 40% of the non-evangelical radio stations, they have evangelical program even for 60 minutes per week. So some of them, they put evangelical music in air for 60 minutes per day. Others have prayer at 12. And uh, so people are acquainted with, with listening to the radio, even if they are not believers. So right now, there's a, a kind of a flexibility, not necessarily crisis, flexibility in the sense that many people can listen to the radio on their phone, even if it is not a smartphone. They can listen to the radio everywhere, anytime. So this gives a lot of opportunities for people to listen to the radio. So we think that it is a good thing to put contents on the radio in order to give people the opportunity to uh, listen to the, to, to the word of the, of the Lord. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. We appreciate the fact that you send in your support each month to help us to continue to stay on the airwaves. 
We're so thankful for people that send in prayer requests so that we can hear what's going on in your life, and we pray for those requests as they come to us, and we encourage you to continue to do that. This month, because it's Easter month, we're offering a wonderful pamphlet entitled The Easter Story. What this pamphlet does, it merges the accounts of Matthew and Luke, the major accounts of the Easter story, and it puts it in a chronological way of merging the two so that you have the one story from both texts. And it talks about the Last Supper. It talks about the trials. It talks about the crucifixion. talks about the death. talks about Christ rising from the dead on the third day. It's well illustrated with lots of pictures, beautiful pictures to sort of illustrate the text. And the thing that I thought was quite unique about this particular pamphlet is that it has an account of all the medical effects of Jesus' trauma and treatment on the cross, the different things that happened to him, and how he suffered so much even before he got on the cross, and then all the things that happened to him while he was on the cross. And so it's just a wonderful pamphlet that sort of talks about the Easter story. It's a wonderful thing to read as a, a believer in Christ. And and worship this great God who died and rose from the dead, who paid the penalty for our sin, and who is alive today, seated at the right hand of God the Father. And it's very uplifting. It also can be given away as a wonderful tract who are unbelievers because it has a wonderful uh, gospel message with it as well. I encourage you to write in and get your copy of the Easter story. And you can do that by writing to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning. Printed copies are available upon request. May I introduce the subject of this talk today by directing your attention to three passages of Scripture. As I read them, please note their common theme. Leviticus 17.11 The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Hebrews 9.22 Almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. 1 Peter 1.18 and 19 For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, of the Lamb without blemish and without spot. You see at once that the common theme of these passages is the role of shed blood in resolving the problem of sin. 
The doctrine of blood atonement is the cardinal truth I want to examine with you today as we continue our review of the highlights of the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Thus far, we've dealt with two key doctrines of that faith once delivered. The first was the verbal inspiration and divine preservation of the Scriptures, and the second was the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope there remains no doubt in your mind concerning either of these fundamental truths. Despite the many years since the original word-perfect written word of God was given to mankind through holy men of God who spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, despite the efforts of ungodly men to discredit and destroy it, despite its professed friends who want to revise and rewrite it, we still have in our possession a word-perfect Bible that is in very truth the verbally inspired, divinely preserved, infallible, and inerrant Word of God. As far as the preserved text in the English language is concerned, the overwhelming weight of evidence points to the King James translation of 1611 as the text possessing all the hallmarks of both divine inspiration and divine preservation. We commend it to you without apology or reservation. The doctrine of the deity and sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ likewise is an established and irrefutable fact. Christ was not merely a unique man, a great religious teacher, whose life and teachings changed the course of history. Christ was God incarnate in human flesh. He took on the form of a man to become our substitute sin-bearer and pay the penalty for our sins in our place that we might receive God's forgiveness and receive from him the priceless gift of eternal life. Since there is for us no hope of salvation except through him, our individual relationship with him is the most important matter in life for each of us. That's why we're so anxious to help you realize what this means to you personally. I urge you to receive Christ into your life as your personal Savior and Sovereign Lord. May I now ask you to consider the significance of the manner of Christ's death for your sins and why that manner of death was necessary to afford you an opportunity to obtain forgiveness of eternal life by receiving him as your Savior. First, the significance of him being put to death on a cross or as it was sometimes called, a tree. Remember, we were all under the curse which sin brought on the entire human race. When Christ was lifted up on the cross, that curse was transferred from us to him. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Christ's acceptance of that transferred curse was symbolized by his voluntary submission to execution on a cross or tree. But of even greater significance was something that happened at the time of his death. Jewish law prohibited a dead body being left in view on the Sabbath day, which began at sundown. As the fateful day of execution 
wore on for Christ and the two thieves crucified with him. The Gospel of John, chapter 19, beginning at verse 31, says, The Jews, therefore, that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith there came out blood and water. There came out blood. In the passages of Scripture I read earlier, God makes it clear that sins can be atoned for only by the shedding of blood, and that without shedding of blood is no remission. God made this fact clear to his people Israel by including in his law given to Moses on Mount Sinai detailed instructions concerning the role of shed blood in seeking remission of and cleansing from sin. Let me read again Leviticus 17.11 where God said to Israel, The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. When God gave Moses instructions regarding the tabernacle, which would be God's abode in the midst of his people during their wilderness journey, he directed him to divide it into two parts. One part was to be the sanctuary, wherein was placed the golden candlestick and the table overlaid with gold on which the showbread was placed. Then, separated from the sanctuary by a blue and purple and scarlet veil of fine twined linen, was the second area known as the Holy of Holies. In it was the golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant, and the cherubims with their outstretched wings overshadowing the mercy seat. It was into this holy of holies that the high priest of Israel went once each year, bearing the blood of atonement to make atonement for the sins of the people. It was not that the shed blood of animals of sacrifice had any atoning efficacy in itself. It was accepted by God in anticipation of the day when Jesus Christ, the divine Lamb of God, offer his blood in atonement for the sins of all mankind on the cross. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Hebrews, chapter 9, speaks of Christ as our great high priest of good things to come, and says in verse 12 that not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us goes on to say in verses 13 and 14, If the blood of bulls and goats and the sprinkling of the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? It is significant that the first blood ever shed on this earth was shed for the remission of sin. When God slew the animals to make coats of skins to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve after their fall. 
That scarlet thread of blood shed for the remission of sins runs throughout the entire Bible, reaching its apex when Christ's blood was shed on the cross for the sins of the world, culminating in the great redemption song that will be sung by the redeemed saints in glory as foretold in Revelation 5, 9, which reads, They sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. The passage I read from Leviticus 17.11 gives a further insight into why the shedding of Christ's blood was necessary for the remission of our sins. It says the life of the flesh is in the blood. The shedding of Christ's blood of atonement was therefore the literal pouring out of his divine life for the redemption of mankind. Surely this gives us a deeper understanding of the reality and the seriousness of the problem of sin. Sin which we today are prone to treat so lightly is not only the root cause of all our human problems, but is so serious in itself Nothing less than the pouring out of Christ's divine life in the blood of his cross could save us from its eternal consequences and free us from its deadly power. In the light of this solemn truth, how terribly misguided are those who regard sin merely as human error, not really of any serious consequence. Such misconception is reflected in their perception of Jesus Christ and the significance of his life and crucifixion. They regard him merely as a great religious teacher whose precepts still have value in our 20th century search for solutions to our individual and collective problems. They regard his death as the martyrdom of a good man whose teachings offended the religious and political leaders of his day. How terribly far short of the true such perceptions are. The facts are that sin, which is any violation of the perfect will of God, has alienated all mankind from him. Under the eternal laws of absolute and divine justice, every sin carries an inevitable penalty. For that reason, all from the least to the greatest are guilty and under condemnation. What is more, we are helpless to recover ourselves from our seemingly hopeless state. I say seemingly, because while humanly speaking, our recovery is impossible. A door of opportunity is opened before us through the love and mercy of God. Nearly 2,000 years ago, God came into this world in the person of Jesus Christ to purchase our redemption. To that end, he not only took our sins into his own sinless body and died as a substitute sin-bearer in our stead, but he met the eternal requirement of divine justice that without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. On the cross, when the Roman soldier's spear pierced his side, Christ's divine blood of atonement flowed out. And the atoning efficacy of that shed blood is what makes possible the remission of our sins. The old hymn expresses it so well. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunge beneath that blood, lose all their guilty stains. 
without the shedding of blood is no remission. That same blood of atonement provides daily cleansing from sin's defilement for those who put their trust in Christ and experience the realism of being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Speaking to those who have been so redeemed, the Apostle John says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Prior to the night that ended ancient Israel's bondage in Egypt, the angel of death passed through the land. God told the Israelites to sprinkle blood on the doorposts and lintels of their homes and said, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. In the homes where blood was not sprinkled, the angel of death took the life of the firstborn of each family. No matter how sinful and deserving of sin certain judgment we may be, we need fear no concern once we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Redeemer and put ourselves under the shelter of his blood shed for the remission of our sins. For God says to you in his word as he said to the Israelites of old, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. You availed yourself of that shelter made available to you at the cost of Christ shed blood? Let me close with those familiar words from Romans 5, 6 to 9. When we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet peradventure, or a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You've never done so before. Will you today open your heart and life to Jesus Christ and ask him to be your personal savior and find your shelter under his atoning blood shed for you on Calvary's cross. I know the message you just heard will be a real blessing to you and trust that throughout this week that you can think about it and maybe apply some of the biblical truths to your own life. Here at Canada's National Bible, I'm really concerned about those who do listen to our broadcasts and particularly those who do not have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. During this Easter season, we celebrate the work that Jesus did on the cross. And of course, this is the, the work that allowed us to have salvation because our sins were paid for. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so you have to have a relationship with Jesus. You have to realize that Jesus, but the whole goal of his life was to go to that cross. And on the cross, he bore our sins in his own body as he hung on a tree. He actually took our place and he paid for the sins that you deserve to pay for because of wrongdoing and the rebellion that you have in your own heart, that I have in my own heart. And that rebellion and those sins were put on Jesus Christ. And he paid the penalty that I deserve for my own sin. 
he took that penalty for me and for you. And so he died, and on the third day he rose again and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. And because he's up there, he can hear our prayers. He loves us. He cares for us. He meets our needs. And if you ask Jesus to come into your heart, you'll become a new creation. Old things will pass away. Behold, all things become new. That's a scriptural truth. And so if you would bow your head and ask Jesus to come into your life and repent of your sins, tell him you're sorry for your sins, but Lord, that we need a Savior. You need a Savior. And when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, he will. And you'll be a new creature in Jesus Christ. Don't forget to, to write in and for your copy of the Easter story. To get your copy, you can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And we ask that you continue to pray for this broadcast, and we pray that you would write in. I want to thank you for your prayers, and I trust that God will continue to bless us together as we continue to study God's Word, as we continue to try to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. May the Lord bless you throughout this next week.